Assalamu alaikum and thanks for tuning in to another podcast episode of Keys to Color. Unfortunately, this is the last one in the series. We're about to dissect Dua Makaram Laklak. We hope that you've really enjoyed listening to this series, that you've taken away some real golden nuggets. And we apologize if there was any offense made. We hope that you have an absolutely fantastic Layl to Qadr with your du'as, with our du'as, the Al-Hadi team. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, do viewers of the Al-Hadi podcast, thank you for tuning in for the last podcast on the series of Keys to Qadr. Uh, I'm joined by the one and only Sheikh Noor Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much once again for having me. No, no, thank you for coming on. Um, at least now we are on the last pod, so I'm gonna not be annoying you as much. <laughs> um, but you know, you can deny it, Sheikh. No, I'm joking, don't worry. Um, but but um, the, the last pod, I think, is kind of uh, quite a nice continuation from um, the, the last podcast that we had. So, obviously, we, we just done kind of um, our last one was Dwai Toba and Munajat Shabaniya. So, that's like forgiveness, and now. I, like you know, now we're kind of that new leaf, and now Makarma Clark comes into play. Am, yeah. am I correct in my in the thing in the in the my thinking? Yeah, no, don't obviously, obviously, because the essence, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, the essence of every act of worship, yeah. is to perfect our akhlaq, is to perfect our behavior, mm-hmm. is to ensure that we have high moral values. So therefore, after going through all these du'a, the cherry on top of all is to emerge out of these du'as, out of this act of worship with the best of akhlaq, with the best of behavior. So definitely the best du'a to look at it at the end of these sessions or segment or episodes is du'a focusing on the importance of our akhlaq and the importance of our behavior. And of course, you know, this dua, makarim al-akhlaq, you know, is so dear to us, like the other duas we discussed during these discussions. Yeah. And if you look at the name of the dua, it says it all. Dua u makarim al-akhlaq. You know, it's talking and discussing the essence of the mission of our beloved prophet. Peace be upon him and his family. As the Holy Prophet mentioned, I'm sent by my Lord to perfect high moral values. So ibadah or dua or a'mal without it manifesting in our akhlaq is a waste of time. Akhlaq is the end product of our ibadah and worship. Now the question is, before we go to look at the content of this dua briefly, and then inshallah we then have this interactive discussion with Haj Abbas. You know, we go two forms of akhlaq. Okay. The akhlaq with Allah and the akhlaq with human beings. And hence, you find our beloved prophet mentioned Behave 
with the behavior of Allah. In other words, portray the akhlaq of Allah wa ta'ala. What is the akhlaq of Allah? Is to be obedient to Allah wa ta'ala. So when we talk of akhlaq, I'm not talking of only becoming better human beings towards another human beings. Yeah. I have to be also better human being towards Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, the other form of akhlaq is your relationship with other human beings. So therefore, we're talking of two akhlaq here. And that is why if you go through this dua, makarim al-akhlaq, you realize, again, our beloved Imam, Imam Zain al-Abidin alayhi salam, because this dua is from him, and it is in his book. Imam really focuses on both forms of akhlaq. The akhlaq with Allah wa ta'ala and the akhlaq with insan. And you know, there is no contradiction between the two. Anyone who has akhlaq with insan will have akhlaq with Allah wa ta'ala. And vice versa. I mean, you know that beautiful tradition of the prophets where Prophet mentioned, whoever fails to be grateful to uh, creations of Allah or creatures of Allah, that person will not be grateful to Allah. So therefore, akhlaq of Allah, akhlaq of insan, they go hand in hand. And it's so important we understand that. And let me also add something here. You know, Imam Jafar Sadiq was asked, what is really makarim al-akhlaq? And you know what was the response of Imam Jafar Sadiq? He said, makarim al-akhlaq huwa tawheed. He said, makarim al-akhlaq is tawheed. When Imam Jafar was asked. Yani, you cannot segregate love for Allah from a good akhlaq. They go hand in hand. And this dua, which is found in Sahifat al-Sajjadiyah of Imam Zain al-Abidin looks at different dimensions of akhlaq. And the first one I mentioned, our akhlaq with Allah Azza wa Jal. The second one is individual akhlaq. You as a person, your akhlaq. And then the third is talking about the akhlaq of society. The akhlaq of a community. And it's really important. And if you look at other part of this dua, really, it's talking about what? The importance of a lot of salawat. And so you find Imam Zal Abdin alayhi salam in the course of this dua, he repeatedly would send salawats to Prophet Muhammad and Ahl al-Bayt alayhi salam to tell us, you know what? Key for the acceptance of our du'as is salawat of Muhammad wa alim. We cannot begin our du'as or munajat without salawat. And we cannot end it without salawat. And the other reason as to why Imam Zain al-Abidin, if you look at not only in this du'a makarim al-akhlaq, in other du'as of Imam, he repeatedly sent salawat to Prophet and Ahl al-Bayt. Some scholars said it's a means of reviving the school of thought of Ahl al-Bayt. It's a means of informing the world about the legitimacy of the succession 
of Ahlul Bayt salam after, of course, the departure of our beloved Prophet. So therefore, Salawat also has its place in this dua. And of course, you know how important Salawat is all about. And then another one is what? In this dua, Makari, we will find we are seeking what is called self-reformation. Islahudzati. In this dua, Makari, Al-Akhlaq. You want to reform yourself from all dimensions, spiritually and socially. It's just about going out of this holy month of Ramadan, reformed. And then really, if you look at missions of the Prophet, as I mentioned, it's akhlaq, but akhlaq boils down to what? To reformation. And inshallah, as I said before your questions, there are areas of these du'as, or these du'a makarim al-akhlaq, that I found really amazing and unbelievable. Not to say the other part of the du'a is not or are not unbelievable, you know? One area, of course, is the salawat that repeat itself, which is the slogan of the lovers and followers of Ahlul Bayt, salam. And you know the benefit of salawat, a place where there is a lot of salawat, shaitan will not enter that place. A place where there is a lot of salawat, poverty is away from them. A place where there is a lot of salawat, sadness is away from them. So now you'll ask a question, why people are repeatedly mentioning salawat and some are sad? Some are not happy. I will say because we have not understand the essence and the reality of salawat. You cannot recite salawat while playing with something. It has to be done with focus and unconditional attention. It's like singing the national anthem of your country. If the national anthem is sung and then you sitting somewhere and playing, you'll be told you are disrespecting your country. Mm -hmm. Our anthem to show our love for Ahlul Bayt wassalam, is the salawat we send to them. And where do we get this anthem from? We got it from Allah. Because he said, I, Allah, and my angels, every single minute or every single second, we send salawat to Prophet and his family. So who you who believe? It's not only, I mean, Allah is not asking everyone to send that salawat. He said, those who believe. So therefore, Imam Zal Abidin really struck me in this dua by the amount of salawat he sent to Prophet and Ahlul Bayt, alayhi wasalam. But then, the lines that really stuck with me, number one is what? Cause my feet to reach the most perfect feet. This is important. This is akhlaqullah. This is the akhlaq of Allah, ta'ala. Which is interesting because that's what we were discussing in the last podcast. In the fact Absolutely. that you don't be a good person and then no. be good in like a religious ways. The religiousness that allows you to be a good person. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. Allah praises Prophet in Quran. He said, Wa inna kala ala You have the highest standards of moral and character. And I mean, even... even non-Muslims of the world, when they looked at the most influential people of the world, the first one in, of the hundred is the name of the Prophet Muhammad. I mean, Prophet Muhammad spent only two decades to change people who had no civilization, who had no belief, who were very cruel, but they were welcoming each other and loving each other. It's because of his connection with Allah. So as a Shia, you cannot separate between being a good Muslim and having a good akhlaq. That, that's so interesting there because um, 
I think what was it? Um, I was talking to someone. They were they were saying if you have a problem with the the kind of um, relationships that you're having, so for example, parents relationships or sibling relationships, then don't obviously focus on that. But first, go back to your relationship with Allah. And if you focus on your relationship with Allah, this is so interesting. Yeah, okay. absolutely, oh, absolutely. Sorry. Sorry, because you see, on. if your relationship with Allah is really powerful relationship. Mm. Then you'll understand Allah's teaching in regards to dealing with people, isn't it? So therefore, this notion of trying to say, you know what, you can just be a good imam, and you find sometimes, yeah, our own she has mentioned this, just be a good imam. Who told you Islam is against being a good imam? Islam is a good akhlaq, and good akhlaq is Islam. Mm -hmm. Allah is good akhlaq, and good akhlaq is Allah. The moment you begin to separate that, you have ascribed material to Allah. You are making Allah two. And it's not two. Allah is one. So therefore, what is important is what? We've got du'a called makarim al-akhlaq to tell us and to inform us that the core of our belief is makarim al-akhlaq and not just akhlaq. And so therefore, Imam is making du'a cause my faith to reach the most perfect faith. So most perfect faith is what really, my dear brother, my dear sister, is to become a balanced personality, is to become purposeful personality, is to become attractive personality. I mean, if we talk of attractive personality, really, which I discussed in one of my lectures, what is attractive personality? How do you become attractive? <laughs> in the eyes of Allah, and in the eyes of people, isn't it? Of attractive personality, they said, first you have to differentiate between personality and attraction. They said, what is personality? He said, to know the personality of a person, you need three things about that person. The first one is his inclination. What is he inclined to? What is he inclined to? Everybody's got his own inclination. And the second thing to look in a person, if you truly want to know the personality of a person, is what? It's his norms. Everybody's got his own norms. He's got his own culture. And the third thing to look into a person, if you truly want to know the personality of a person, is his thoughts, thought process. So when these three things come together, it defines what personality is all about. But now, having that personality alone is not enough. You need to be called, you need to be, Personality who is jazab, very attractive. Who is attractive personality? Because that is that most perfect faith he's talking about. Attraction simply means charisma. It's a Greek word. But in Islam, we call it hibatullah, Allah's gift. What is that Allah's gift to be charismatic from the Islamic perspective? Is to have the power to influence others positively, not negatively. If you've got most perfect faith, you will be able to influence positively and not negatively. And then you see Imam Zainab, then he went forward. He said, make my certainty the most excellent certainty. but I mean, Imam Ali makes it very clear. Isn't it? If the veil is to be removed, that will not increase my certainty, bro. My fight and your fight, brother Abbas, and all the brothers, the viewers or the listeners, 
is to reach certainty, yakin. If we will all reach certainty and yakin, worries are over in our lives. The reason as to why we are worried so much is because our yakin is not to that level. Hence, Imam Zalabdin is not just asking for yakin. He said, Afdalul yakin. I want to be certain in my life that rizq is divided by Allah. I have to make my effort. Whatever I get, that's okay. I'm certain. I'm happy with it. I want to read that level when issues are happening in my life. I know it's watching. Allah is watching. Like the Abba Abdullah said in Karbala. He said, you know what? Whatever is happening to us, I found it so easy because I know it is under the watchful eyes of God. He's watching. Yeah. And he is the most loving, the most caring, the most merciful. Why should I be worried? So therefore, make my certainty the most excellent certainty. We need it to survive in this world of imtihan. I mean, if you look at these to us, really, perfect fit, excellent certainty. That's what will make us survive. Now, how many people are committing suicide today in the world? Yeah. We're not blaming them. Allah is the best judge for them. But sometimes when you have perfect fit, excellent certainty, it makes life easier for you. And the other part of this dua really, which also really attracted my attention is what? And my intention to the best of intentions. After the niyat. And in my intention, my niya. Niya, Habibi, is everything. <laughs> Nia is, I mean, the main point of departure. If I am clear in my mind that my intention is pure, then I'll not be worried. You know why people get worried and sometimes people become arrogant? It's because of lack of sincerity in their intention. You know what Imam Ali says? Imam Ali said that, Salawatullah salamu a person becomes arrogant when he finds flaw in him or herself or in the way he does this. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody will become arrogant. It's only when you know, you know what? I have not dealt with them in a true sense of dealing with them. I sit, I went to that meeting. I deal with the people of the mosque or my family. You know, I pretended here and there. I didn't expose them to the truth. So therefore, we are asking Allah through this du'a makarim al-akhlaq. Because it's all asking Allah about our akhlaq. My intention to be the best. And the last part really which I want to share. said, oh God, make me leap to thee in times of distress. Ask from thee in needs. Not to go anywhere, but you Allah that when I'm in need, when I'm in pain, when I'm in difficulties, Allah, do not make me go anywhere. Make me come to you, Allah. That is really akhlaq. And really, if you find your prophet mentioned, people tend to love you more if you don't ask them much. <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> <laughs> if they know you will ask, especially money, you know, when they see <laughs> when they see you, they start saying away. That's why Imam Zalabdil has another dua also. He said, Ya Allah, make me independent from earning. 
So earning doesn't mean make me independent from working. No, no. Make me independent from asking people mm-hmm. and make me satisfied with whatever I have. So therefore, these are some of the appeals of these two are that really I found fascinating and, you know, really intriguing and something that I think will, I will carry on with during this month of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Allah perfect our akhlaq and perfect our behavior mm-hmm. and make us better human beings. So in short, brothers and sisters, Makarim al-Akhlaq is to inspire us to see irrespective of the quantity of your ibadah. If your akhlaq is not perfect, is not taken care of, that ibadah is still hanging. Yeah. Wicked. Thank you so much, Sheikh. Habibi. That, that's actually cleared up a lot of things. In terms of this thought, yeah. when talking to friends, family, um, yeah. people are most, this is probably the dua that people may not connect as much with. Yeah. Yeah. How would you, apart from giving this understanding that you've, you've kind of given us, yeah. um, uh, thinking, for example, about the salawats, yeah. um, how would you, what, what advice would you give to people that are finding it hard to connect with this talk? Because obviously this is at the end of the night. Yes, and, yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely. I think your point is a very important point or a question. We normally find our people, when it comes to Dua Makarim al-Akhlaq, it's either they are not interested or people will complain it's too long mm-hmm. and they don't celebrate it much the way they celebrate other Duas, like for instance, for instance, like Dua Tawbah. My humble advice, of course, to myself and to all our dear listeners or viewers, mm-hmm. is that, Allah Akbar, every Dua from Ahlul Bayt as a mission. And each Dua is unique. Okay. This Dua is one of his kind to be named after akhlaq. It's one of his kind. So my humble advice is that, my dear brothers and my dear sisters, if you want to really perfect your akhlaq and become the type of person Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala expect us to be, I will say, hold on to this du'a. Go through this du'a. As families, you can divide this du'a between several nights. You don't have to finish everything on every day. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, if you do it slowly, you will be able to establish love for this du'a. Because we don't have any other du'a talking about akhlaq like this mm-hmm. du'a. Yeah. And everybody sing, become good human beings especially during this challenging time. Don't tell me about religion. Tell me about human beings. That's the slogan out there. Mm. So I will say she ayana Ali, the Shias of Imam Zain al-Abidin. <laughs> Imam did not teach this to her for himself or for Imams who came after him. Yeah. yeah. Imam taught this to her because Banu Umayyah and their lovers and followers did not portray good akhlaq. And Imam wants he asked to portray good akhlaq. So he said, if you want that akhlaq, go and reflect on du'a makarim al-akhlaq. I mean, 
scholars always want people to go to them and say, you know what? Really, my son is not behaving well, or my daughter is not behaving. Oh no, sure, I've got a bad akhlaq. Most of the advices we get from scholars is that go and reflect on dua makarma akhlaq and start reading it in your house. It changes akhlaq. It changes behavior. And so these dua, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, please hurry. And this dua summarizes the mission of beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So therefore, I strongly encourage you, brothers and sisters. This is the way forward in terms of our akhlaq. Yeah, you have a question. Yeah, so I suppose this is where, for example, um, you would recommend kind of reading the translation rather than Arabic if, for example, yeah. people don't actually understand it. Yes, it's absolutely, absolutely. You know, for you to to build love for dua or even somebody, a person, mm-hmm. you need to kind of understand the person. And the best way to understand if you don't know Arabic is to go to the language that you understand, and there's nothing wrong about that. Read in English, read in Gujarati, read in Urdu, if that is what you are comfortable with, and try to understand. And like in the case of other duas, I want to say again, spend some time on your own and just read this dua, not with the reading of dua, but with the reading of understanding, like you are reading a book. Go through it slowly but surely. Maybe take some notes. I promise you, believe me or not, you will end up loving this to Those who tested this to will never leave this to I know people, even not scholars, ordinary people, when you mention Dua Makarim al-Akhlaq, tears begin to overflow from their eyes. Because they look at their Akhlaq and they look at what Imam Zalabi did put. In this dua, they said, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. I need my iman. I need my yakin. I need my intention. I don't want to become double standard anymore in my life. I want to be someone who is genuine on his, and who is pragmatic and sincere. So therefore, I will definitely encourage, start slowly. Yeah. And inshallah, you will be able to have the love. Alhamdulillah, there are commentaries of dua, of course, that's in Arabic. And I think in Pharisee also in English, I've not come across one. But we should not give up on this dua. Make Imam Zen Labdin happy. Every dua in Sahifa the Sajadiyah is a gem. It's a gem. You cannot leave it. It's a jewel that you cannot find it anywhere except the door of Ahlul Bayt. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sheikh. If it's all right, before we um, kind of wrap yeah. this uh, podcast yeah. up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a couple of questions. It's no problem. Kind of, um, um, just to kind of help help the viewers and help myself as well, actually. Yeah. So the first one is um, one that we haven't discussed, actually. It's, it's, for example, when we're going for the night of Qadr and you know, it says that you know, you're, everything's written for your year to yeah. come. Um, then, for example, like, does dua like there's that misconception that dua has no no effect then throughout the year? So what's the point? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's already written on the twenty, you know, well later to Qadr, let's say. So what's the point in doing dua during the year? You know, so what what does it actually mean? Is it more of a kind of a skeletal kind of um, 
report that's kind of done by God and, you know, you can change it with du'a or is it very detailed but still du'a can change it? Like, do you mind just kind of going through that a little yes, bit? Yes, no, no, definitely. That, that takes away the free will part of kind of... No, no, and, you see, yeah. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, no doubt, is powerful. Mm. But Allah doesn't just execute his power anyhow. Yeah. He leaves the power in the hand of insan. And you mention it, insan has a choice, he has free will. Yeah. Let me give you an example. We have a government who is leading us in the country. Mm-hmm. They've got their midterm budget and they've got annual budget. When they do their budget, they do allocations. Yeah. Universal credit, tax, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fact that the budget is red doesn't mean that it's the end of everything. Yeah. People have to make an effort. If you need universal credit, you need to make an effort to get it. You need to apply. And you need to satisfy certain requirements for you to get the universal credit. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything. You'll struggle. You'll starve. You'll suffer. Mm. Likewise, me as a worker, if my tax return is not properly filed, I may end up in trouble, isn't it? I'm just giving an example to think about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Allah, on the night of Qadr, he makes his budget. Budget like... Abbas is going to get this uh, potentially. Okay. The rest is in the hand of Abbas. Abbas going there to the mosque to pray on that night. The good thing is it's different from the budget of the country. Whatever you ask, if you are sincere, you're going to get it. Uh-huh. That's why you have to go and make that door. Allah is waiting for you to come and ask because he is independent. He has not planned for you before you come in. What you're going to ask is the plan. That is why as a Shia, we are told, those three major nights of Qadr, they are interlinked, isn't it? Yeah. He said the first one is from Imam Jafar, alayhi salam. It's the night to decide what you want. Yeah. And they said the second night of Qadr is the night to reaffirm or confirm what you want. And then the last night is the night of the approval of what you want. So you can still change it. And that's why we've got the concept of Badah within the school of thought of Ahl al-Bayt, Allah is the one who approve and disapprove. Why does he approve and disapprove? Depending on how prepared we are. And preparation du'a, silat rahim these are two major things, and sadaqah, and the other one is sadaqah, three rather, that are very powerful in changing any fate and any destiny. So it is not all done deal when we say the night of Qadr is the night of budget, la. It is the night that no doubt Allah tabarak wa ta'ala looks at his servant with special mercy, with special rahmah. But how you carry yourself along after that is of great importance. You find people on the night of Qadr, they are like malaika or even more than malaika. But on the day of Eid, it's 120 degrees, they change completely. Yeah. <laughs> now, you see, it's, it's so important that if you are doing charity in the holy month of Ramadan, you are not expected to 100% continue with the same pace, but you don't have to lose everything. You understand? Night of Qadr is Allah's intensive care unit. So when you go into intensive care unit, may Allah forbid, the purpose is not that intensive care unit, it's the after. You are out of ICU. So we are in a divine ICU on the night of Qadr. Everything is on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. If you take it and you bring it home, are you going to just put it anyhow? 
when it is meat, if you don't put it in the refrigerator, it will spoil. So therefore, night of Kadir is that moment you go and collect it. But now come in nature and look after it. And so that is why there is no contradiction between our will and the will of Allah. The will of Allah is informed by the, your will, how you exercise your will. Then Allah will approve. That's why he gave you the free will and the choice. So therefore, night of Christ, this is a typical example when we are told the moment a person is married, half of his fate is fulfilled. Everybody get excited, isn't it? Mm. Potentially is fulfilled, not practically. Meaning what? All the requirements of fulfilling your fate is now met. Don't go out a mess. Because desire is very strong. Mm. That is what pushes us towards a lot of sons. Now that you've got your wife, you've got your husband, that is sort of potentially curtailed. So you now have to make the best out of this marriage to ensure that you are protected. If you don't use it to protect yourself, hope. The half is not fulfilled. That's why you find people who are married and they stop praying salah. People who are married, they stop making dua. And you are telling me half of their faith is fulfilled. La, these are potential to say, you know what? Their medications are there. But if you fail to take the medications in going forward and you've got high blood, you are told don't take salt, uh, salt and you take a lot, you can't blame anyone. You blame yourself. So it's like you go to the doctor. Mm. Doctors diagnose you of something. Alhamdulillah, the sickness has been diagnosed. Now he has given you the medication. Now you're going to carry on with this medication throughout your life. If you skip, you don't want to do it. You can't go back and blame the doctor again. You have to blame yourself. So cool. night of Qadr is that moment given to us by Allah to say, you know what? Don't worry. Just open your heart. Vent. Vent out. Just talk. Be yourself. Be free. Okay. The shaitans are chained. Everything is locked. Just tell me what you want. And I promise you I'm going to give you on condition that you don't go back to the old school, my dear brother, my dear sister. Yeah. Lovely. That's, that's very, very useful. Um, in terms of um, anger, yeah. being a dream or Ramadan, um, yeah. how, how, can you kind of just uh, explain any, many, any practical tips from an Islamic yeah. point of view? Because obviously people are co cooped up at home. Agitation might be a little bit higher. Yeah. 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 Um, you just kind of yeah. could touch on that quickly. Yeah, lovely. Definitely, you know, anger is something which is part and parcel of human nature, you know. And of course, some they express it higher than the others, you know. It, it fluctuates depending on individuals. Yeah. And of course, the holy month of Ramadan is coming, which is the best of all months. How do we go about, you know, taking care of ourselves in terms of anger? The first thing is what the Holy Prophet mentioned, you know, when he was discussing the merits of the holy month of Ramadan. The Holy Prophet, salam, mentioned, of course, which can also be difficult for some, but it's very important we know it, that say, for instance, you're fasting, and someone comes to you, you know, doing something untoward, you know, to you, and something that may trigger your anger. You need to say only two things, Holy Prophet said. He said, in Nisa'imun, assalamu alaikum. I am fasting, peace be on you. And then you turn away. Prophet said, whoever does that, hmm. Allah will look at the person and say, you are protected from hellfire. So the first thing is that don't entertain anyone who wants to cause you anger or cause problem. But that might be difficult to some. Second practical tip is that you need to ensure that you have your routine, as I mentioned yesterday. 
Yeah. Routine is very, very important, my dear brother, my dear sister. Your routine is what allocate time for reading. Allocate time for ibadah. Allocate time for family. Allocate time for chilling, if you like. Yeah. You need to allocate time. And how do you go about it? Write it and stick it somewhere in your room or in your house in a bold or in a capital letter or in capital yeah. letters. Stick it there. These are my routine and I'm going to follow this routine. It's so, 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 so important. Anyone who has routine will not allow anyone to angam. The third one, which is more, more, more stronger, is that, you know what? You write somewhere, you pledge. If I lose... And if I lose it, I become angry, mm. you know, beyond reasonable way of becoming anger. I'm going to make 20 rak'at to thank Allah. Wow. Yes. Because some people, it's very difficult for them. They are short-tempered. Mm. So you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to make 20 rak'at. Or I'm going to feed 20 orphans from Zara Trust or from Lady Fatima. Uh, you know, Karim, uh, one they have, or any other charity. So you have to really make it tough for yourself by putting some disciplinary mechanism. Perfect. If Love I that. go to this way, then definitely I have to do this. Fine, you lo you, you've lost it, but at the end of the day, you make amends by doing some act of worship in reaching Allah, Tabaraka, wa Ta'ala. And of course, okay. another beautiful tradition of the Holy Prophet when it comes to managing our anger is that when you start realizing that you're boiling inside and you want to express yourself, what you need to do, go make wudu, this prophet mentioned, make wudu. Okay. But after the wudu, if you realize it's not helping you, you know, go, you know, get water in a, in a bowl or something and then put your feet inside, you understand? Okay. So that water brings that energy up in you and maybe it will bring you down, it will cool you off. Wow. And if you realize that is not helping, just go to your bed and close your room and just be yourself. And later on, and once you are there in that room, you know, listen to verses of Quran, that also helps a lot. And some scholars are, you know, listen to Noah, listen to Marcia, or listen to the Majalis and the Masaib of Ahl al-Bayt, that will help. And another practical way, which of course I, I have not seen any rewire, but I've seen uh, like scholars writing in the books of Akhlaq, you know, take a walk, go out there, take a walk or go to the garden and smell some flower. That also can help you, inshallah, to be able to overcome the anger and expressing it in an awkward way, inshallah. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you so much, Sheikh. Um, uh, another kind of question is... Um, yeah. Uh, Namaz Jafar Tayyar and Namaz Gufayla. Uh, now, yes, please. Uh, yeah. What's their importance in Mahi um, Ramadan? Lovely, lovely, lovely. These two beautiful salads or forms of salads yani, hold special place within the school of thought of Ahl al-Bayt, alayhimussalatu wassalam. And Outside, you know, outside Ramadan, they are very powerful, let alone in the holy month of Ramadan. You know, these are two prayers that we are really and highly recommended to recite them. So the first one is, no doubt, Namaz or Gufayla. 
Gufaila is reported, of course, from our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam and Ahlul Bayt reported it also. I mean, the word Gufaila is the shorter form of forgetfulness, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so Prophet will say, Tanafalu fi sa'atil ghafla. Make optional prayers during the time of forgetfulness. And so they would ask Prophet, what time is the time of forgetfulness? Then we say between Maghrib and Aisha. And many will ask why this time is the time of forgetfulness. Definitely it's the time of forgetfulness because people are finishing their work. Some are busy cooking for their families. You know, it's towards the end of the day. So people are exhausted. People are tired. People may yeah. even forget about Ibadah. And that is why there is one tradition. I read somewhere, I can't remember which book, that, you know, you get to know hypocrites when it comes to Salat al-Maghrib and Isha. You know, because that's the time you find people are really relaxed a bit. They don't want to come. They want to come. I will do it later. I'm not going to do it. So it's really important that we take advantage of this gufaila. But the question is, what's the benefit of this namaz gufaila? Which is really highly recommended. And we've got so many traditions, you know. One narration mentioned these two rakat of namaz al-gufaila, turithani or yurithani dar al-karama. You know, doing them will grant you and inherit for you the house of honor and the house of respect. House of honor and respect, some refer to it as Jannat al No, some refer to house of honor and respect, meaning what? Allah will deal with you directly without asking angels to do anything. So this namaz gufayla is really powerful salat. To such an extent, our maraji would encourage us in place of the nafila of maghrib, we do namaz gufayla. It's so powerful. It moves mountain. It is the khair of dunya and akhira, one narration mentioned. He said, this namaz gufayla brings you the goodness of dunya and akhira. And no doubt, doing, doing, doing namaz gufayla also bring peace to a family. So therefore, I will definitely encourage mu'minin and mu'minat. This year, Ramadan is unique in my own personal understanding because we have ample time. If you've not established Namazu Gufayla in your life, I think this is an opportunity to establish this Namaz, inshallah, for you to trigger receiving the khair of dunya and akhirah from Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala, and emulating our beloved Prophet, alayhi salatu wassalam. Another one is Salatu Ja'far al-Tayyah, which also the name says it all. This is no doubt a gift of our beloved Prophet, alayhi salatu wassalam, to Hazrat Ja'far al-Tayyar, when he came back, of course, with the entourage from Ethiopia, from Abyssinia, you know, the first migration of Muslims, you know, from the holy city of Mecca was to Abyssinia, isn't it? And then the second one, of course, which was the major one, is to the holy city of Medina. So when they went to Ethiopia, Ja'far al-Tayyar was the leader of, alhamdulillah, the entourage and the Muslims. So when they came back, the holy prophet went to welcome them, isn't it? The mm-hmm. hadiyah he gave Ja'far al-Tayyar was salah. That tells us the power of salat, my dear brother, my dear sister. 
That was the idea. I mean, if someone like Prophet gave you salah, then he has given you everything of dunya and akhirah. And this salat, as narration mentioned, afdalu salawat ba'dal fara'at. It's the best of all salat after the obligatory prayers, which Rasulullah gave it to Ja'far al-Tayyar. For what? For his struggles in establishing the deen of Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala. You know, this salat has some uniqueness, as you know very well. I mean, one of the uniqueness of this Salat Ja'far Tayyar is the fulfillment of Hajat. Very quick. Mm-hmm. It fulfills people's Hajat. Quick, 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 quick. I don't know how many people have tried it. I've tried Namaz Ja'far Tayyar on several yeah. occasions. It's just yeah. powerful, man. That and the good thing you ask about the holy month of Ramadan. Yeah. You know, narration mentioned from, of course, Mufaddal bin Umar, from Imam Jafar alayhi salatu wassalam, this report about Namaz Jafar, uh, Jafar Tayyar, where Imam mentioned, you know, you have to do these two, uh, four rakat salat of Jafar Tayyar. Mm-hmm. Then Imam said, because they are after the salawat ba'd al-fara'id, we are better after the obligation. Then he said, فَمَنْ صَلَّاهَا فِي شَحْرِ رَمَضَانِ Whoever prays Namaz Jafar Tayyar in the holy month of Ramadan, and of course any other month, he said, Subhanallah, in fatal, he will finish this salat, and there will be no sin between him and Allah. Your sin will go away. So that's the power of this Salat. And not only that, you know, Imam Jafar salam from Abu Basir also, Abu Basir reported that Rasulullah mentioned that Jafar Tayyar, Allah examined you and you pass your tests. And the reward from Allah is these two Salat that I'm giving you, this Salat Jafar Tayyar. And then he said to him, Whoever prays the Jafar Tayyar, seeking the fulfillment of his legitimate desires, you will find it there. And he said, if you are able to do it every day, do it every day. Because there is khairat dunya wal akhirah. And if you cannot do it every day, at least once in your lifetime, do namaz Jafar Tayyar. You know, our Sunni brothers, they call it Salatul Tasbih. It is the Salat of Tasbih. So in the Sunni world also, it's very powerful. So therefore, I will say... If you have your hajat in the holy month of Ramadan, why not knock the door of Salat Jafar Tayyar and give it a try? You will come back to the uh, Al-Hadi youths and tell them, you know what? This namaz is just mind-blowing, man. Inshallah. Uh, two more questions, Sheikh. Yes, no mind. problem. No problem. Uh, um, so one is... Um, for example, a practical one. When breaking yeah. um, your fast, I mean, starting your fast, what do, what do you recommend? Oh, okay, fantastic. Breaking your fast. You know, as I mentioned during one of our discussions, mm-hmm. food is really important when it comes to your spirituality. 
you know, the quantity and the quality yeah. are so important. And I mean, really, we have to go back to our beloved Prophet and ask Rasulullah, how do we break our fasts? What do we eat? Rasulullah made it perfectly clear, although sometimes we don't have time maybe for that. One of the best things is dates okay. to break your fast with or water. And this uh, as per the traditions of the Holy Prophet of Islam and Ahl al-Bayt, you know, people, you'll see people breaking their fast with heavy carbohydrate food, you know, with some serious stuff, man. <laughs> and you know what? I know you're... <laughs> I'm not saying we should not eat, we should eat, we all eat. But we need to make sure we break it slowly but surely, and we keep adding slowly so yeah. that we have the opportunity to feel that we light when we stand at night to worship Allah Taala. So therefore, dates, water, and fruits are very important. So these are the first level. And then later, second level, you can go some strong meal a bit, but make sure you are needed to be very light in the darkness of the night to be able to sail through and navigate through your worship of Allah Taala. So that is what I can say when it comes to breaking our fast yeah lovely thank you so much and then um, i suppose that the last question that i have for you is um one i hold close to, to to my heart so it's a more personal question yeah um how does maraban and the night of qadr relate to say the father of the zahra no doubt there is a strong relationship between Bibi Fatima السلام, and the night of Qadr. And of course, night of Qadr is the essence of the holy month of Ramadan. So therefore, when we talk of night of Qadr, we're just talking about the holy month of Ramadan. All the days leading to the night of Qadr are just preparation for the night of Qadr. Mm-hmm. The peak of all are these three nights of Qadr. And of course, some narration mentioned the last the nights of the holy month of Ramadan. Now, let us look at the relationship between these nights and the return, of course, between Ramadan and Sayyidah Fatima, alayhi salam. And I need really here, before I explain the relationship, to remind you of that beautiful tradition of Imam Ja'far, alayhi salatu salam, when it comes to the fadila of Bibi Fatima in looking at the night of Qadr. Imam Jafar mentioned, Laylatul Qadr is Fatima. Then he said, وَمَنْ أَدْرَكَ لَيْلَةَ الْقَدْرِ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ فَاطِمَةَ الزَّهْرَ Or one who said, فَمَنْ أَدْرَكَ فَاطِمَةَ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ لَيْلَةَ الْقَدْرِ 